Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Lent is the great season we have each year to reflect on and meditate upon and enter more deeply into the story of Christ's passion. But have you ever wondered, why do we call it the passion of the Christ? Why passion? Well, the word passion comes from the Latin word passio, which means suffering. So traditionally, the church has used this term to describe the suffering Christ endured for us on Holy Thursday night and Good Friday for our sins. But in our modern world, we use the word passion a little bit differently. We describe someone being passionate, meaning that they're, they, they, they have a lot of energy, they're excited, they're, they're determined. And, and maybe you could see that with Jesus, right? He's determined to take on the cross and die for our sins so that we can be reconciled with him. And and I think that's okay to see that. But I think Pope Benedict takes us to an even deeper level. Pope Benedict once uh, reflected upon how the word passion can describe God's passionate love for us. He once said, quote, God loves us with all the passion of a true love. Uh, And I think that's beautiful that God is a lover. As St. Catherine of Siena once said, God is madly in love with us. God is drunk with love, she even said. In other words, God is so in love with us that he's willing to do the the most unexpected thing to, to bring us back to be united with him. He brought us into existence. He didn't have to do that. We sinned and rejected him, and yet he seeks us out. He's calling us back to himself. He even comes down and becomes one of us, takes on our humanity, and offers himself up as a sacrifice for our sins. That's how much he loves us. You see, God's passionate love, Pope Benedict says, is not meant to be understood merely as like some kind of like romantic love or like merely at the level of eros. No, no. His eros, his passionate love for us drives him to express that love in agape, total self-giving, total committed love. And we see that most especially on the cross. And I think this is a very Catholic way of looking at Calvary. You know, some, so many times we think of it as just, it's all about the suffering Christ endured for us. But in the Catholic world, it's the love that's at the center. It's love that gives the cross its redeeming value. That's what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says. St. Catherine of Siena once put it this way. She once said that uh, the nails could not have held Jesus there to the cross if love had not held him there first. It was love. And it's that love God wants you to experience in a more profound way this Lent. God has an amazing plan for you this Lent, and I want to talk to you a little bit practically about how we can enter into Lent more profoundly and encounter that love of Christ. But first, I want to tell you something. I'm going to do something I've never done in this podcast before. I'm going to do a a, a free giveaway here. I'm going to give away free copies, five free copies of my brand new book, um, No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. The book just came out uh, two weeks ago, and it's sold out once. They're on their second printing. Uh, They've sold, I think, 20,000 copies in the first two weeks. I'm just just so so honored, but most of all, so excited that so many people want to enter into the story of Christ's passion this Lent. Uh, and if you want a free copy, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna enter your name into a drawing. If you do this, all I need you to do is this: email me some of your 
ideas for what you'd like to hear on this podcast moving forward in the Easter season. I'm looking ahead as we begin uh, after Lent. I'm looking ahead at different topics. I want to hear from all of you, my audience here, uh, some of your ideas, uh, things you'd like me to talk about. It could be more topics related to marriage. I've done that a bunch of times. It could be topics related to virtue. Uh, It could be more biblical topics, apologetics, relativism, uh, things in the culture, uh, prayer, how, how to grow in prayer. I'm just giving you a couple ideas, but really, I just want to hear from you. If you send me a list of a few of your ideas, just a few ideas of things you'd be interested in this podcast, I'll put your name in a drawing, and I'm going to give away five free copies of this. How do you email me? You email me on my website, edwardsree.com, or you can email me directly at info.edwardsree at gmail.com. That's info.edwardsree at gmail.com, and I'll put you in the drawing for five free copies signed, uh, and you'll, I'll send them out uh, in a week's time, and I'll mention the winners on the podcast next week. But let's go back to this topic, which I'm actually drawing from, from my new book, No Greater Love. Uh, I, I'm drawing on this as we're reflecting on uh, the meaning of Christ's passion in this Lenten season. You've all probably seen that film by Mel Gibson, The Passion of the Christ. Do you remember the opening scene when Jesus is in the garden, and there's that eerie Satan figure staring at him. Do you remember that? And then that Satan figure sends a snake on the ground to go and attack Christ, but the last minute Christ sees it, and, he, and he's, he's praying in his agony, and he, he steps on the snake, and it's destroyed. Now, do you ever remember reading about that in the stories of the gospel, when the gospel accounts tell us about Jesus's agony in the garden? Do you ever remember that Satan was there, and a snake came, and Jesus stepped on it? I don't ever remember reading about that, because it's not there. This is just a little bit of artistic license by Mel Gibson, and, and that's okay. But I gotta tell you something, even though it's not explicitly there in scripture, I think there's a beautiful theme that's especially found in Luke's gospel that makes this scene in his movie have some biblical underpinnings, uh, more than may meet the eye. Uh, And it's related to the gospel reading we had this Sunday. If you remember, uh, this past Sunday, it was the story from Luke's gospel of Christ's temptation in the desert at the beginning of his public ministries, fasting for 40 days, and the devil tempts him three times, and Jesus resists the temptations three times. He defeats the devil in this opening battle in his public ministry. But Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 13, gives a little subtle detail, something that uh, is a foreshadowing of more to come. It says this, that the devil departed from Jesus until the opportune time. The devil departed from Jesus until the opportune time. What does that tell us? It tells us the devil's coming back. In other words, Jesus may have won this first battle, but the war is not over yet. Jesus may have won the battle, but there's still more to come. There's going to be many more battles. The devil is going to bide his time, and he's going to come back again. He's going to wait until the opportune time. Now, all throughout the public ministry, there's going to be little skirmishes between Jesus and the powers of darkness. We see Jesus forgiving sins. He raises people from the dead. He expels demons. He's performing exorcisms. He's driving the power of darkness away. But the war is not over yet. Something happens you're going to see right in the events leading up to the agony in the garden as Jesus is preparing to begin his passion. He's there at the Last Supper, and Luke's Gospel tells us at at the Last Supper, Satan entered Judas. 
And then Judas leaves the table at the Last Supper and goes off to betray Jesus to the chief priests. And then at the end of the meal, Jesus turns to, to the apostles and he tells the apostles that Satan demands to sift them all like wheat. So notice, two mentions of Satan right there in the upper room at the Last Supper. The idea is, here we are as we, as we enter the beginning of Christ's passion. The devil's on the move. He's going after Judas. He's going after Peter and the other apostles. He's going to try to pick them off one by one. And then finally, when Jesus is in the garden and, and the arrest party comes to take him away, Jesus says to them these words. Listen what he says to the soldiers and the captains and Judas. He says, this is your hour, the power of darkness darkness. And in the New Testament, that language of power of darkness is used in Acts 26 to describe the power of Satan. So in other words, what is this telling us? It's telling us that right here in the Garden of Gethsemane, that opportune time of the devil, that time when the devil would come back and strike again, that time is right now in Gethsemane at the agony of the garden. It also tells us who the true enemy of Jesus is. You know, when we're looking uh, on Holy Thursday night and Good Friday, you can think, oh, Judas is the bad guy. You can think of Caiaphas and the chief priests are the bad guys and Pilate's the bad guy, Herod's the bad guy, and maybe even Peter's the bad guy because he denies him three times. Got all these people doing bad things on Holy Thursday night and Good Friday. But what Luke's gospel is reminding us, who's the real enemy? The real enemy behind all of this is Satan. It's the devil. And you need to remember that in your life, too. Because there's times where you're going to have bad things happen to you. Times where things don't work out the way you wanted them to. Times when you're tempted. Times where you've experienced division in friendship and family. And when those things happen, you know, sometimes they're just the circumstances of life. But many times, there's a spiritual enemy behind these things that's attacking us. What do we do if we want to face the spiritual battles in our lives well? What do we do to, to be with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? What do we do to enter into Christ's love more profoundly in his passion? There's just two little things Jesus asks us to do. Think about this. He didn't ask for much. On that night in Gethsemane, he did not ask the disciples for much. He didn't go into Gethsemane and say, all right, guys, it's time to begin a 54-day novena. <laughs> he didn't say that. He says, all right, everyone, we're going to do all 20 mysteries of the rosaries on your knees. Let's go. He didn't do that. He didn't say, all right, let's go start a Lenten program, you know, for the parish. Well, these are all wonderful things. Pray the rosary. Do a novena. Start a Lenten program in your parish. These are all wonderful things. But I just want to give you a sense. Jesus just asked for two small things from us in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you, do you know what those two things are? He simply said to them, watch and pray. Watch and pray. That's it. In this most dire moment in his life, this, this moment as he's about to face the full brunt of his passion and death, as he's about to take on the full weight of the sins of the world, all Jesus wants from us is to be with him, to be with him in Gethsemane, to watch and to pray. He just wants our time. He wants our friendship. He wants our attention. He wants our love. Are you willing to be with Jesus in Gethsemane this Lent? He's inviting you there. And, and, and let's unpack what these words mean, the, to watch and to pray. First of all, the word watch. Uh, biblically, what does this word mean? It doesn't mean just like, hey, take a look, like, hey, look at me, you know, or let me watch, uh, let me have you watch this little demonstration on how to do it. No, that's not, it's not like a one-time look. The, the word actually found here 
uh, in Mark's gospel, Mark's gospel chapter 14, verse 38, is it, it implies keep watching. His idea, stay watching. Uh, it implies a certain vigilance. And I think that's a key word for us, to watch. Let's be vigilant this Lent. A spiritual alertness, to be more aware. And I think that's just important to keep in mind. All the little sacrifices we're doing, these extra devotions we're doing, serving the poor or giving up money, whatever things we're doing, they're meant to help us be more spiritually aware, to be more spiritually in tune with the deepest desires on our hearts, which are for God, to be more deeply, more spiritually in tune to the events that are unfolding before us, to see them not just as circumstances or problems to be solved or challenges or frustrations, but to see all around us, these are opportunities to, to encounter Jesus more, uh, opportunities to love him more, opportunities to love our neighbor more, to care for others more, to get out of ourselves. Will you watch this Lent and be spiritually alert? I think that's one beautiful thing to keep in mind. You know, um, you know I, I've been reading something, just a side note here. I, I think I told you all, one of the books I'm reading during Lent um, is by a, a Franciscan mother superior, uh, and it's a wonderful little reflection. And she's she's really challenging me on little things to give up in Lent, uh, and I, I'm loving it. It's so good, and I know these are things that can be challenged on because, like, let's be honest, when you plan to give up chocolate, it's kind of hard, but you planned it. <laughs> you know, uh, it's 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 the little things that come up that you, that if you're spiritually alert, you you can you can really grow in profound ways. You know, so she talks about. Uh, like like little things like complaining, like when things don't go your way, little frustrations in the office, in the parish, with your relatives, in your own home, with your own spouse. You know, these are these are small little opportunities to show great love like Jesus did on Good Friday. You know, sometimes we complain out loud. Sometimes we don't, we keep it, you know, to ourselves. We don't say it out loud, but in our head, we are steaming. We're thinking, here we go again. Why is this person doing it? But think about Jesus on, 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 on Holy Thursday night and Good Friday. Does Jesus ever complain? If there was ever somebody that had a really bad day, I mean, think about Jesus there, right? I mean, I mean, Jesus has Judas betray him. He has all 12 apostles run away from him. He's taken away. Uh, his, his right-hand man, Peter, denies him. He's having a really bad day. Then he gets condemned to death by the people he comes to save. He's scourged and, and, and mocked and spit at and forced to carry out a cross and crucified. He's having a really bad day. But does he ever complain Never, not once. And how many times do we complain either out loud or in our own little heads? Why is this happening? Why isn't it this way? I can't believe she said that again. I can't believe he did that. And, and we play these little narratives in our head. This is a small little thing we could do this Lent to enter into Christ's love, to love like he loved. And it's the devil that puts those thoughts there to gets us to get so distracted. And let's be spiritually alert. Let's watch and watch out for those opportunities to prove our love when those little crosses come up in life. Let's not fall into complaining and whining and discouragement. Let's just smile and say, oh, Jesus, this is going to be hard. I need your help. But this is a chance for me to prove my love for you, to grow in my love for you. Uh, the second thing Jesus says is to pray. And he doesn't just say pray generically. He says, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And this brings us all full circle because that word temptation there isn't just temptation in general. It's the word parasimum, which is used earlier in Luke's gospel to describe 
It's used to describe the temptations of Jesus in the desert when he was tested. So the idea is that just as the devil tested Jesus, he's going to test the disciples in Gethsemane. He's going to test all of us. And will we be able to withstand those little tests, those little trials that come up all the time in our daily lives? If we're alert, if we're spiritually alert with Jesus, if we watch, and if we're taking time each day to pray, then we will have the interior spiritual space to be able to face those little trials because we're not doing them on our own. We'll be doing them with our Lord. And we can allow Jesus' sacrificial love, his patience, his gentleness, his forgiveness to transform us, to change us so that we can become more like him. That's the real goal of Lent here. Will we become more like Christ in his passion? Will we imitate him more in his passion? Uh, let's enter into the story of Lent more profoundly. Uh, and if you want a, a resource to help you with that, check out my new book, No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. I'm giving away five copies, five free signed copies here. I'll put your name in, into a drawing. If you can send me an email, uh, send me an email by Sunday night, uh, this upcoming Sunday, the second Sunday of Lent. Uh, you can email me at info.edwardsree at gmail.com. Info.edwardsree at gmail.com. You can also find me on my website and email me there as well. I want you to email just some suggestions of topics you would like to hear on this podcast. I really want to hear from all of you uh, so that I can provide good content to help enrich your spiritual life. It can be on any topic, all things Catholic. Thanks so much, my friends. May God bless you this life.